from green to checkered, we've got you covered. It's flag to flag on 640 The Hurricane. Finally, I think that's the word you got to use for this weekend. Alex Bowman is a winner in the Monster Energy Cup Series. What's going on, everybody? Happy Monday. It's Jeremy Kaufman, Kristen Schiaffoletti, and Wesley Walker in with you again, talking about a crazy weekend at Chicagoland on track and I guess off track with the insane weather that affected the race, too. But we'll start with the big story, and that's Alex Bowman getting his first career win, and it did not come easy. It looked like it was going to be a a similar situation to what we had seen in the past when Bowman was so close and just late in the race got passed. Here comes Kyle Larson late, makes the pass on him, but Bowman would not be denied. Got back by Larson and got that win. Chevy won two. We also had uh, Johnson in the top five. So a, a big day for Hendrick, a big day for Chevy, and a big day, obviously, for Alex Bowman. Start with the takeaways from Alex Bowman's win. How big of a deal is it for the 88 to finally solidify himself, especially with his sponsor leaving at the end of the year nationwide, and get that first career win? It is huge, and... When you look at the turnaround that Hendrick Motorsports as a whole, but more specifically that 88 team has made since the Easter break, they weren't really running good. We were kind of hard on them during that off week when we were kind of given our first quarter grades. But since then, like apparently he got pissed off. Maybe he heard the shout. I don't know. (laughs) But he got pissed off and that team did or something happened. They went out there, got three second place finishes in a row on different style of racetracks, a restrictor plate racetrack, a mile racetrack, as well as a mile and a half, in which Kansas, is, we kind of compare Chicagoland and Kansas, where I felt that Alex Bowman kind of let one get away at Kansas. He didn't at Chicagoland, and that's got to be huge for him and his confidence. Like you said, getting that opportunity at Hendrick Motorsports, it's like, oh, great, I'm driving for Hendrick. But then it's also like, oh, I'm driving for Hendrick, so if, if I don't <laughs> perform, then everyone's going to be looking at me, and this may be my only shot. So I know that's got to be huge for him. And this was a weird time for Hendrick Motorsports, too. You want to talk about their last time a driver that wasn't Chase Elliott won a race was before the 2017 season, so it's been a while for Hendrick to have anybody other than Chase Elliott win, and those have been few and far between, honestly, over the last couple of years with their struggle. That is difficult to think about. I did not realize that until you just said that. But it does make sense that Hendrick had kind of downslide, and now they're on their way back up, I think, as a company. And I think Chicago really showed with the performance of the 48 early in the race, going up there and taking the lead. That's not something we're used to seeing. We saw at Texas he could stay out in the lead after he won the pole. But it was nice to see the 48 be able to perform fast, not just have a fast car at the beginning of the race, but be able to finish it off but Hendrick as a whole we've been saying it talking about it you know they still have improvement and I'm sure that they're not happy with just having two wins I know they want a lot more and they probably expected to have a lot more but that's a huge deal for Alex Bowman and you know you're never going to forget your first one and you look at a few years ago he wasn't full-time in any of the top three series in NASCAR drives part-time for Dale Earnhardt Jr. in Xfinity all of a sudden, Dale Earnhardt Jr., due to medical reasons, has to miss the second half of the 2016 season, which really got Alex Bowman into the spotlight where he almost won at Phoenix that year. Yeah, I and think after that that race, too, a lot of us were just so surprised. We thought Bowman is going to go out and just set the world on fire, and it didn't happen right away. So I feel like that, that puts extra pressure almost on Bowman when everybody has that expectation of you, and then... 
you guys go out and you struggle for a whole season. It definitely got to hurt with the confidence and make you kind of wonder. But, you know, he's persevered. And like you said, learning this year that Nationwide was not going to be returning to that car, that had to be another motivation because, you know, these cars don't run on hopes and dreams. You know, they run on sponsorship dollars. And he's basically trying to showcase, hey, if you put your name and logo on my race car, that you're not going to regret it and we're going to put it in victory lane for everyone to see whatever your business or product is and so that has to be some motivation as well and man it's just really when you think about what we were saying back after easter and how far hendrick was off and then where they've come in just a short period of time it's really amazing and yeah i was really happy to see that alex bowman he finally pulled it off he didn't finish second again he got the win <laughs> finally so i'm he happy for him going to. yeah i mean I, I don't blame him for not wanting to finish second again sometimes second place is nice but not when you finish second <laughs> that many times let's also remember this is a guy who from position two to 43 he has finished in every single spot but first and then you talk about the finish to this race kyle larson runs him down from multiple seconds behind gets down to the inside passes him and you think with seven to go, I don't believe it. It's again. like, here we go again. Here we but go again. Yeah. Bowman, I don't know how he did it. I don't know if it was just the fire that was like, I'm not finishing second, which is what he said in his post-race interview. Two laps later, he gets back by Larson, and he pulls away again and ends up getting that checkered flag. And for Kyle Larson, on the flip side of that, he's got to be like, are you serious? I thought we were in and going to lock into the playoffs. We finally did it. And Bowman was not going to go away quietly. His nickname is Bowman the Showman. Well, he definitely put on a show there at Chicagoland on Sunday night. Fantastic win and just an unbelievable drive to get back by Larson. Another guy who, even though he didn't win the race, should be very happy with that second-place finish, the way their season has gone as well. So definitely impressive for Alex Bowman. Huge win. It's always cool to see a first-career win. 134th career start, so he definitely waited a while. That's not a whole like lot, though, like, still. That's pretty it good. It isn't, right. but you know, you look at how many years that happened over for, for Bowman, I think, is the difference. We always think of Bowman as just the eternal rookie. It seems like everybody thinks he's a rookie, and Bowman has done quite a share of NASCAR Cup Series racing, so really just a feel-good story to see him get that checkered flag, go to victory lane after a long day in Chicagoland. My, my gosh, the weather that we saw. I mean, the NBC pit box, I don't know how long. I mean, that thing is destroyed. I don't know if you guys saw the damage on TV that that thing got. Oh, yeah, I did. That I was mean, crazy. I, I, I could feel the sadness the from missing. Steve Latart <laughs> as he watched that thing get destroyed. <laughs> like, that's crying. my home down there. I guess uh, Bubba Wallace and Corey LaJoy probably weren't out throwing the football yesterday during a delay probably not uh, that, that thing would have been sucked into a tornado probably before long that was i mean uh alan kavana had tweeted out that this is the scariest weather i can remember in a long time at, at a race that i've been a part of at least i know wesley you had your share of terrible weather uh, a couple of years back at the coke 400 coke zero 400 it's actually the daytona 500 was it the, the daytona 500 that's right 2014 the year that dale earnhardt jr won his second one where basically um i'm i'm there at the at the race and uh buddy who works in nascar chris knight i'm friends with him on facebook and he's talking about a tornado coming towards the racetrack <laughs> and i'm just sitting there lightning all around underneath the grandstands like probably two miles from my vehicle going great i'm stuck here so i definitely it reminded me of that yesterday looking at it and how bad it looked and man i just really felt for the people that 
you know, that's what go, we were saying earlier. Go, yeah. go and spend a lot of money just trying to have a great day at the racetrack, and it normally is, but there are sometimes that things like that happen, and, man, I just really felt for all of them. I'm glad that, you know, the race did get in and they were able to get a great show, and I'm sure they appreciated that Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman battle, and it definitely made up for what was Bleeding. looking like a <laughs> yeah. really, really awful day earlier in the day. Well, you know, another thing that was really cool is to see that the diehards, you know, that do stick around for a race like that, and, and to get a race in for those fans, it was really awesome to see that, you know, NASCAR, some people are always like, why do you wait this out for so many hours when you get all this terrible rain coming in? Well, that's why, because NASCAR found their window. We can dry racetracks so much quicker with this airtight. It's, it's unbelievable. From a couple of years ago, thinking like, all right, well, it stopped raining, so I got two hours, two and a half hours to kill at a mile and a half let alone at a, a Daytona or a Talladega when that happened, to see those air titans go out. I can't remember a time in NASCAR where they would tell you an hour and they'd be done in 40 minutes. It was always, they tell you an hour, it's going to be an hour and a half, two hours. It was never earlier, so it's really cool to see that these air titans and the technology they have have just improved the fan experience so greatly to get that race in. And a fantastic race that we saw, very uh, reminiscent of Kansas and the Coke 600 where we just had some of the great battles. The cars were a little bit closer together. Still room to be worked on, I think. It's a little tough to pass still, but overall, an improvement from the racing that I think we've seen in the past. I mean, I honestly, comparing the race that I saw yesterday, I think that that's the most comparable to an Xfinity race at the same racetrack on the same weekend. The racing that we saw on Saturday, I felt like we saw an even better version of that on, on Sunday, and that Xfinity race did not disappoint so I, even though Cole Custer kind of had a very dominant car, but still the overall the racing was good. And yeah, when I was watching practice on Saturday, I was really excited thinking back to the Coca-Cola 600 and thinking back to Kansas just a few weeks ago and thinking, man, this is probably going to be one of those races that, you know, it may even be better than last year's, which of course we know that you know, slide job, slide job. Did they that, play that, that pretty... over the weekend again? I wasn't sure if they had re-shown that on TV. They might have. <laughs> they might have, you know, reliving Dale Jr.'s The, the best first. part of that, by the way, is the <laughs> fact that they had a slide in the midway that was called slide job, and then they had, I think it was Rutt went down at yelling slide job. And I just love that. It's like hey, that's, they, just, uh, that's just good marketing. That's, marketing. <laughs> that's, that's great marketing right, right there. there. But anything with Rutledge Wood is going to be marketed great anyway. You know, Rutledge is always fun to watch. If there's fun at a racetrack, Rutledge will find it. Every single time. I, I liked watching him with the Indy 500. He found some interesting stuff throughout the race weekend. And yeah, there was some stuff I really didn't care to see. But <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Well, you put, uh, I, I got to say, um, I don't know if you guys saw the Blues Brothers skit they did with Kyle Petty and Rutledge Wood, but the sideburns they put on Kyle Petty, maybe the most ridiculous fake facial hair I've ever seen in my life. They showed it a couple of times during the rain delay a couple of characters those two they always put on some fun stuff for the nbc broadcasts ba back to the race though kyle larson talk about him he didn't win the race but a second place finish fantastic run finally for chevy and for kyle larson and here's the big number we've talked about kyle larson hovering right below or right above the cut line not by any means comfortable but if you take a look at the score right now in the points, Kyle Larson is up to 13th in points. He sits 35 above the cut line. And the way they've run the last few weeks, that's got to be a refreshing breath of you know uh, air there, seeing them actually having a slight cushion, even if it's not that great of a cushion. Well, every little bit helps, and I think they have to be in that position, which is a difficult position to be in for those guys that are either right above or right below that cut line where you're weighing the options, knowing that if you win, you're locked in. But 
weighing that option, how many risks are you going to take to try to get that? And I think a lot of times we saw it with William Byron at Sonoma where they had to play not the race-winning strategy but the stage point strategy. Case in point, they're 12th in the standings right now. Yeah. So I think that Kyle Larson, I know he's got to be disappointed finishing second for the second year in a row at Chicagoland and both times thinking that he probably – was going to win that race both years. And I, we heard about Alex Bowman refusing to finish second again. I think next year uh, going into Chicago, <laughs> Kyle Larson is going to be having that mentality. But still, when you take a step back, as much as all these guys want to win, that's the reason they're out there, taking a step back on, hey, you know, we really needed a day like this for, you know, the playoffs because that that's a big deal. You want your team to be in that playoffs. And, yeah, that is a – big kind of it's it's a relief when you can finally put those races together after having a struggle which it has been for the majority of the season for that 42 team in fact they were talking about the comparison between the one and the 42 and i'm sure kyle larson just loved hearing about that (laughs) i'm sure he loved it and i'm sure that it was just the motivation he needed but he's always run well at chicago but yeah that's a that's a big day for them and yeah, that win would have been huge. That would have been, you know, been all right. Now we don't have to worry. Now we can kind of, kind of play our game and go out there and try to rack up three, four wins going forward. But a second place finish, you can't be too upset with what's at stake with a, with a solid day after 400 miles. Yeah, and you got to just remember how close to the cut line he is. At that point, you need to make sure you get that finish. As nice as it is to win. Worst case scenario is you take yourself out of a good spot and lose a bunch of points at the end of that. And we're heading to Daytona next weekend. We know just how crazy this race can be. You might end up winning it. You might end up upside down. Kyle Larson did it at Talladega. Let's be real here. You never know what's going to happen in the point situation. And keep in mind, when you look at the standings right now, Kyle Larson up by 35. You got Jimmy Johnson in 14th up by 20, which, again, that's more comfortable than he's been in the last few weeks. Daniel Suarez and Clint Boyer right now at the bottom of the point standings. But right outside the point standings, 17th place, Eric Jones, the defending winner of this July race at Daytona. Two more down, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. We know he can win on plate races, He and frankly, he could be the guy that takes out every single one of the other playoff drivers at the plate race if you look at last year's race. So these guys have a shot to capitalize at this racetrack as much as everybody else does. And this could really shake up those playoff points because if one of those guys that is further back or even out of the cut line right now gets to victory lane, who knows how that's going to affect the overall standing. So Daytona is one of the more nerve-wracking tracks we go to with just a few races before the playoffs, nine to go coming this weekend. So now we're really in that crunch time. If you're in the back of the points right now, you need to be consistent as you can be and get those wins. Kyle Larson's so close to doing it, but that second place is going to go a long way to helping him at Daytona this weekend. Absolutely, because this is the chase, what they used to call the chase to the chase. And I know a lot of drivers, like I think 2012, Carl Edwards, after almost winning a championship, had kind of was on the bubble. And boy, when you sit there and you look, when you're on that cut line and you look at the calendar and you see that the next race is Daytona, when I did that uh sound when you mentioned that, that's what <laughs> those drivers are saying this week because they know where they're going. Uh, taking a look at the point standings after the race, a couple of guys that had bad days, Kyle Busch really struggled, which we haven't seen a lot of that this year. An uncharacteristically bad day for Kyle Busch. Started out 
uh, fairly back in the pack. Not the best qualifying effort. Uh, the 18 team rolled off in 17th. Early on in the race, lap 25, ends up bouncing off the wall, really hurt the performance of that car in stage one. They tried to work on it in between stage one and two. They were able to do so, get back to ninth place. Trouble just kept happening after that. On a restart, lap 169, Kyle Busch and Joey Logano, incredibly aggressive racing. They made contact when Kyle really pinched Joey Logano down. Logano had a bad entry angle, and he was not giving up that battle for that position. Door-to-door contact. Kyle Busch immediately cuts down a tire, gets to pit road, loses a lap, ends up gaining the lap back with the free pass. Then the car starts smoking like you wouldn't believe any... You know, even when Kyle Busch is a bad day, there's always something about Busch that amazes you. Here he is just driving this car like it's nothing. <laughs> it is completely full of smoke. I don't even know how he could see. The crush panel's knocked out of it. There's rubber on fire in one of the wheels. I don't even know which one it was. And it is, you, they went to the onboard camera and it looked like Kyle Busch was in a freaking dust storm in there. There was so much smoke. He comes to pit road. The smoke actually picks up a little bit. They change the tires. They try to pull out some rubber. They can't do it. And he goes back out, and the car is still smoking, and he's like, I guess this is what I got. I'm going to just keep driving it. Not the day he wanted at the end. He ends up in the 22nd position. But there's something about Kyle Busch. No matter what happens, he always finds a way to do something unbelievable. Driving that car where he basically couldn't see full of smoke, he never gives up. He may be a bit of a pessimistic because, you know, as soon as he hit the wall, he's like, we're done. But he doesn't give up at the end of the day. Unfortunate for Kyle Busch. I'll tell you who had a good day, though. Joey Logano, the man he's competing for for the regular season championship. Joey Logano now has an 18-point lead. He only had a one-point lead coming into the weekend. So that really helped Joey Logano capitalize and gain a little bit of an advantage. Nothing safe. But with only nine races to go, there's a lot of playoff points on the line for that first position in points. And for Joey Logano, he was able to capitalize with a top-five finish, while Kyle Busch, on the other hand, had a really bad day in Chicago. When you think that Kyle Busch, about how that's not a big deal. He has enough wins, and he's solidly in the playoff not worried not a big deal it's just a, a throwaway race not a big deal it is a huge deal because he is in a tight race for that overall regular season points championship which helps out a lot with playoff points so i i think kyle bush the reason why he never gives up is because he's a driver that sees the bigger picture also and he had to salvage what he could from a bad day yesterday and he did the best he could still not the what he wanted for sure especially after last year but trying to minimize the damage as much as possible and joey logano definitely got a, got a lucky break by by that I, and i'm sure that those two i know they were already such good friends i'm sure they're <laughs> even better friends now do yeah, we have that, any post race i, I don't believe uh, that would i be didn't interesting see anything because we know how he can get when stuff hits the fan you gotta wonder if there was a little bit between logano and bush but at the end of the day I mean, there was definitely a situation where uh, Kyle really did pinch Joey there. I don't know how mad you can be because he did not really. No, get I mean in that just lane. with like how his overall race was, just like in general. I'm sure a disappointing day for sure. I'm sure he would have had something smart to say. That's what I was wondering <laughs> if, yeah. Uh, you know, Kyle never minces words in those uh, post-race interviews. He does <laughs> not afraid to say what he's feeling. Another guy with a bad day once again, Kevin Harvick. Led the most laps, 132 laps. The story of their year, they cut down a tire, lap 73. Get back onto pit road because it's right at the end of the stage. Everybody's pitting anyway, so it doesn't hurt them too bad. They get the lead. Ends up making contact with the wall later in the race. 14th place finish, not what we wanted to see for Kevin Harvick. And again, Stuart Haas and Kevin Harvick continue winless so far through this year, which is really surprising. And honestly, what else is surprising is this is only the second time this year that Penske and Gibbs has not won a race. 
we finally broke that streak on a regular racetrack that wasn't plate racing. We were looking at next weekend saying maybe it's going to happen at Daytona. It happens at Chicagoland. But Penske uh, definitely right there in the hunt. Two of their cars in the top five. Uh, and Hendrick Motorsports getting that second win of the season so far, which is really the, the kick that they need, really. Are they Momentum the big three so now? I don't know if we can call them the big three. <laughs> the big two and Hendrick, maybe. That's, they're, like, they're on Joey Logano's level before he did anything really over the top. And we said, you know, maybe this guy could win this. I say you put them there. The big two is definitely destroying everybody else. Win a couple more races, then maybe you can be the big three. I think Rick's still got a little bit of work to do before they're quite happy with their performance in 2019. Let's get a quick look at your point standings on the cut line right now, what your uh, driver is sitting in. Like I said, it's a pretty tight battle for the most part. This is the most separated we've seen the points. Boyer, after blowing a tire and spinning out, had a really rough day ended up dropping all the way back to 16th. I mean, he was in a more comfortable spot, and this just goes to show you it doesn't always last. Falls back just 15 points above the cut line. Eric Jones, the first guy below it at 15 points behind. Eric Jones, by comparison, had a top-10 finish, so he's trying to move in the right direction. Clint Boyer had a rough day. Teammate Daniel Suarez just a couple of points ahead of him in 15th, sitting there 18 points in. Jimmy Johnson up by 20, and uh, that is the best they've been in a little while. Not a comfortable spot by any means, but at least we're seeing some improvement out of Team 48, and hopefully they can keep building on that. And we'll see what happens in Daytona. Obviously, a complete crapshoot there. But as we move on to Kentucky and the races after that, hopefully the 48 team and the rest of Hendrick Motorsports can continue to build that forward momentum and improve on their overall performance so far this year. I'll tell you what, we definitely have a big three going on in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. It's, it's Christopher Bell, it's Cole Custer, and it's Tyler Reddick. And one of them got the victory lane again. Cole Custer, fourth win of the season. He is tearing it up lately in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. We'll talk about his win coming up in just a second. Need your NASCAR fix? You're in the right place. It's flag to flag on 640 The Hurricane. Another win for Cole Custer, and it came when he beat Joey Logano, which you know has got to be a nice little shot in the arm when you beat a cup guy like Joey Logano with Chicagoland Speedway. Custer held him off and dominated that race, too. 151 laps he led of the 200. There really was no competition for the double zero. And we're starting to see this trend out of Cole Custer lately. That's his fourth win of the season, and that brings him up to the... Uh, he's now tied for the most wins so far. Uh, I believe Tyler Reddick is up there as well with four wins, or rather, I'm sorry, uh, um, Christopher Bell with four wins, Tyler Reddick with three wins right now on the season so far in the NASCAR Xfinity Series. Huge win for Cole Custer, and continuing to make a case why he should be considered for the Monster Energy Cup Series in 2020, if there's a place to put him. I think Cole Custer definitely is proving he earns it, that he deserves it as well. Oh, without a doubt. Yeah, his performance this year, which we were kind of surprised last year. I don't think any of us in this room would have had him in that uh, Stuart Haas racing team in their top four, and we were kind of surprised when he got in there, but we knew you know, where they were going, that they had a legitimate shot to win it this year. That team has just been pretty amazing. What's impressive to me, too, is just the year-to-year turnaround on that team. Because, like you said, it was a surprise they were in the Final Four when they won that race at Texas, I believe it was, in the round before the championship four. And advanced, you were like, wow, I didn't see that coming. Cole Custer's locked in. After we kind of said the week before, we didn't think he would make it to the Final Four. Then you get Cole Custer in a situation this year where you're like, and I think Gene Haas even said it, he needs to win consistently before he can go up into the Cup Series. Well, let me tell you something. He answered the call. Four wins in the first half of the season, and considering Cole Custer's performance at Homestead Miami Speedway, I honestly think he is the favorite right now for the championship. 
you know, among those big three, because if both of all four of them or all three of them rather get into that final four, which right now it's looking good in their situation with all the playoff points they've been able to accrue so far this season. You got to imagine Cole Custer is going to have a really good shot at this down at Homestead Miami Speedway with his performance the last few years at that racetrack. Definitely a big win for Cole Custer. I think he's somebody that could definitely move on to the Cup Series. The problem, of course, is what we talk about every single time this discussion comes up. Where do you put him? There's too many great rides, and are there's too many great drivers, not enough rides for him. That's the unfortunate part, but that's the reason why, you know, we have the talent at the Cup Series that we do. I'm saying, yeah, I think he's he's ready for the Cup Series race, and they talked about that during the broadcast NBCSN on Saturday, and yeah, they talked about how he needed to win more consistently. Well, I think he's definitely... Uh, he's can check that off the list he's doing that and i'd say he's absolutely proven himself up to this point for a cup series ride without a doubt and but the one thing that kind of i said a few weeks ago that if he's in the final four at homestead he is my pick to win the championship i couldn't help but notice during saturday's race they kept talking about how when you look at homestead miami speedway and tracks that you compare them to chicagoland is up there and he said the other one is Fontana and those are the two racetracks that Cole Custer not only won but beat a cup champion to do so so that's what's so impressive I think that's what's really got to make him feel pretty good is that he they got this mile and a half program really really good and that's going to mean a lot when we get into the playoffs and particularly when we get to that final round down at Homestead Miami Speedway I think he's definitely making the case that he honestly could have been the champion last year if just a few different things happened in that race. I'm not taking any way, anything away from Tyler Reddick, but it was that close, like as it normally is at Homestead. But, yeah, he's definitely making the case. It's just, you know, you don't – I think it's smart what Tyler Reddick, what Christopher Bell, and what Cole Custer have done by saying, you know what, I'm with a great organization, a top organization in the sport – and I can learn how to run up front here in the Xfinity Series instead of learning how to race mid-pack in the Cup Series. And I think that the lessons that come with that are just going to help them at that next level. And I think he's definitely due for a top ride. It's just you're only allowed to own so many cars. And there are, all, there are way more amazing drivers than there are rights to put them in. But we'll see. You know, the silly season, we're in July now. So the silly season, you know, it starts earlier and earlier every year, and I think it's starting to ramp up right about now. I'd say it is. And, you know, for Tyler Reddick, he has had some great runs, and we've, we've documented that, in the Cup Series and limited starts this year with Richard Childress Racing. They've got room to set up another team. Whether they do it or not is still in the air, but I feel like, okay, Reddick has got an opportunity to take over the 31 as a full-time operation. If RCR decides that they have the resources and the funding to go ahead and make that move next year. Cole Custer and Christopher Bell, those are the two that we're really trying to figure out where they're going. Now, uh, Christopher Bell, rather, he has just this week announced he will be with Joe Gibbs in 2020. We do not know yet, though, if it is going to be Xfinity or Cup. Now, I I think Bell is definitely ready for the Cup Series. The question is, where does he go? Eric Jones in a contract year. I can't see Gibbs letting Eric Jones go after how good he was. He was basically like Christopher Bell when he was in the Xfinity Series. He won a bunch of races. He's a very good driver, and he's just getting used 
to the Cup Series. And let's also not forget, even if it was a plate race, he got his first career win last year. So he has been able to win in the Monster Energy Cup Series. So I, I just can't see Gibbs letting go of Eric Jones. The question now is, is Levine Family Racing going to be a place that he might land? That's kind of the new furniture row. That's their partnership, and obviously Levine Family Racing has not had the time to grow as much as Furniture Row did. It took them years to get there. I think Levine Family Racing will blossom into a team like that. You got Matt Benedetto, who's doing some really great stuff with the limited funding on the 95 that they really have in the limited equipment right now. And Levine Family Racing has kind of talked about and hinted at maybe a second car in the past. So you wonder, okay, are they going to potentially put Bell in the 95? And DiBenedetto is in jeopardy of losing his ride. Is Jones in jeopardy of losing his ride? Or could a second car be on the way? At this point, I honestly, I know we talked about that Jones feels pretty good and that they're close to the deal. The more it goes on, though, I'm not so sure anymore. And I think, you know, you run the risk of, you know, eventually letting talent go. I mean, either way, no matter what, you, I mean, it's not a good situation for Joe Gibbs to let either one of them get out of their stable. So I know they're trying to do the best that they can. You know, you look at what Eric Jones's cup career has been. He's, he didn't start driving at Joe Gibbs his first year in the cup series. His first year in the cup series was for Furniture Row. And then after that, basically Gibbs kind of said, see you later, Matt Kenseth. And that was and that, actually what I was going to say. That, Do you see a Matt Kenseth-like situation potentially it, happening with a Denny Hamlin or one of those drivers? I mean, they did it to Matt Kenseth. They did it to Daniel Suarez, which they had a lot invested in him, won an Xfinity championship with him. Mm-hmm. Now it's not even surprising me anymore. And I don't even know really the full details of Carl Edwards' exit from the 19 to begin with. I'm not speculating or anything, but when you look at the amount of talent they have, and you look the past few years that one of those big names winds up either leaving or basically kind of told uh, we, we're kind of going to go in a different direction. So that that part really is not going to surprise me if it does happen. I hope that for everyone's sake, I think it would be good to get a second team for Levine Family Race and help them grow and then put Christopher Bell out there. In, he would be able to some, start that up. In, in some equipment. Right. That, you know, maybe it's not it's, – it's definitely not Joe Gibbs' equipment, but with that technical support, it ain't a bad ride. Right. So – and I think that would be good for him as a learning experience, kind of like an Eric Jones. I kind of hope that's the way it goes. And I definitely want to see Matt Benedetto back because I think that this is his best opportunity, and he always gets the car a better finish than a lot of guys can. So I definitely – I don't – I guess I don't want to see anybody lose their ride. But at this point, I wouldn't be surprised anymore. I really wouldn't because yeah. Eric Jones, he, he doesn't have a, a Cup Series championship. I know he's only been in the sport for I think this is third or fourth year. But when you look but at what they've done, don't you think there to, should be a little more too, like already yeah. happening? Well, yeah. I don't know. See, we we have this discussion about how the pressure is on some of these drivers, you know, from the get go. And you think about just how long development can take. Sometimes look at Joey Logano. He's my example. With Gibbs, he didn't do very well. He struggled. He really didn't get his footing for a lot of years and because he was thrown up too quickly. And the next thing you know, he ends up in the Cup Series with Penske instead of Gibbs. And look at what Joey Logano has been able to do. We're talking about a championship driver who has also won the Daytona 500. So I think sometimes, like, you know, 
they want the performance and there's so many good drivers it's like you got to be so quick these days but you're costing yourself potentially an opportunity with a good driver i feel like and, and it's a flip side to that coin look at the mark martin hendrick situation they kept somebody who was an experienced veteran who ran well and they lost out on a cup champion that could have been in their stable on the flip side of that coin if you have eric jones and you kick him out of your stable for christopher bell he gets a job kind of like what happened with joey logano and then he runs really well well now you've tossed out Joey Logano for somebody else and Joey Logano ends up outperforming you too. So what do you do? It's a catch-22. You really have no way of deciding. It's just going to be luck of the draw. Who ends up better? Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't want to be Joe Gibbs making that decision right now. I mean, it's a good problem to have, to have, you know, more drivers interested in driving your race cars than you have available cars. But, you know, you say about building with, with Eric Jones. I'm just saying that Daniel Suarez finished his second year with Joe Gibbs Racing, and that was it for him. Because I know it's a rare circumstance. Furniture Row shuts down their operation. You have this cup champion with a lot of experience, Martin Truex Jr., that you already had this alliance with with Furniture Row. So you kind of already had that somewhat relationship built, and you didn't want to let him or Cole Pern go somewhere else. That was a unique situation. But still, that was Daniel Suarez's second year, a driver that you felt like that Joe Gibbs – want it to build with and you know go through the you know the tough times with in the beginning and see it through to the end you know now you know this is eric jones second year driving full-time for joe gibbs in the cup series i wouldn't be surprised if it did happen i'm not saying i'm not trying to speculate too much but i wouldn't be surprised i hope it doesn't because eric jones is talented he's winning truck series championships it, what he did at xfinity He's an amazing talent that I think if he does go somewhere else, he's probably going to do what Joey Logano did. But still, that being said, but they can't I wouldn't be surprised. For him. Right. I, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if it happened. Yeah, they do have a history doing it at JGR, and that's just the million-dollar question. Who do you decide to go with? It really is a gamble because you don't know what someone's going to do in the future. They lost the gamble with Joey Logano, unfortunately, and uh, Hendrick lost the gamble with Brad Keselowski. Sometimes that happens. We'll just have to see where this all ends up playing out. Quick question before we go to break, really quick. Your guys' thoughts. Who is more likely to be replaced at Joe Gibbs if the situation applies, Denny Hamlin or Eric Jones? Who are you thinking? Eric, Eric Jones, you got a guy that's won two races and a Daytona 500. That'd be tough. I mean, Newman, Penske kind of, they left at the end of the 2008 after winning the 500. But I, I think you still have a lot with Denny Hamlin, and he's proven a lot. I don't know. I feel like maybe Eric Jones, you can get him like up and going like you, you can work with a rookie like we've said in the past more than you can work with a veteran because they have like their mindset and how they do things and well Denny Hamlin is obviously closer to the end of his career and that's right. you see you wonder is it going to be a Matt Kenseth or is it going to be a Daniel Suarez situation because they can go either way right now I don't think that Denny Hamlin is in the place to be removed from the team I really don't I think that Eric Jones may be the one that that unfortunately gets the short end of the deal with the way it's working out right now. But, like I said, I didn't see Matt Kenseth being replaced the way he was either, so who knows exactly what the situation's going to be down the road. NASCAR Camping World Truck Series Racing went down Chicagoland Speedway. We're going to take a look at the checkered flag and who got the victory lane and update you on our Florida boy Ross Chastain's quest to make the NASCAR Camping or Gander Outdoor Series playoffs. We'll keep you posted coming up in a second. Stay connected with everything NASCAR online at 640thehurricane.com. Brett Moffitt is in victory lane for the second time this season, although it's kind of like the first time for that organization, considering that the win that they got was a result of Ross Chastain's disqualification at Iowa a couple of weeks ago. But either way, 
up front, running good with two consec- or two wins in three weeks, basically, for Brett Moffitt. So that team is starting to get some real momentum going in the right direction. Absolutely, which we kind of were wondering, here's the guy that's the defending champion, and now you know GMS was able to snag him up when Hattori just... You know, Hattori had to make the decision to kind of go with someone that had more funding. So, But you knew that Brett Moffitt, dude's a proven winner, a proven champion. You know, and I mean, I would never turn down a win however I can get him. But if I had the choice, I'd like to know as I cross the finish line that I had won or I hadn't. It'd be you, nice to have the chance to celebrate the win. Yeah, true. <laughs> well, you it's, know, the thing with this, too, is he transferred from a single-car team with Hattori Racing and went to GMS – and honestly, it's been surprising the first half of the season seeing them not get to victory lane because you would expect going to a team like GMS, they're going to set the world on fire. And I think it's been a really disappointing year for Brett Moffat up until this point. Well, it's not like they were running bad, though. So, yeah, they did struggle as far as getting into victory lane. Probably, you know, no, they'll tell you that, you know, it was a lot longer than any of us would have ever thought is what it felt like to them. But. They got to victory lane at Iowa, and they've been running solid. And, you know, Friday night they got one where they knew that when the race was over that they were going to victory lane, and that's definitely big for the playoffs and definitely for the momentum. And, you know, this time of year is really vital when you're thinking about championship because this is kind of where we start to see who who kind of burns out or who really comes on strong. So. I think Brett Moffitt, that team, GMS Racing, are shining at the right time. And I'm just going to um, make you feel a little bit better. We were going to break about the NASCAR uh, Gander outdoor truck. <laughs> Dale Earnhardt Jr. Junior, uh, <laughs> said that Joey Logano was uh, the Winston Cup champion. So See, it's Dale's going real retro on that. And I don't think he caught it because when Rick Allen's like, what year is this? He's like, uh, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah. That, so I was just, I just, as we were going to break, I was like, oh, man, I got to. <laughs> Gotta give Jeremy a little crap, but also, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. as well. But it, it's all good. Yeah, though, it's, uh, it, like I said, it's very great for that team to be shining at this time. It's definitely the right time. It's nice to win two or three of them, you know, February, March, and April. But really, this is the time where things really become more serious and we see who's for real and who maybe had some early season momentum and kind of just fades off. So Take a deal. look at the uh, the point standings here. Brett Moffitt can say at least, you know, maybe it hasn't been the most I- impressive year. They've been consistent. They finally got the victory lane. But as it stands right now, they are tied for the number one seed with Grant Enfinger heading into the playoffs. So obviously they're in a pretty decent spot right now. If the playoffs started today, Brett Moffitt, Grant Enfinger, Stuart Friesen, Johnny Sauter, Austin Hill, Matt Crafton, Ben Rhodes, and Harrison Burton. Now, here's the thing for poor Harrison Burton, though. He sits in the championship chase by with 409 points. He's got a very nice gap back to teammate uh, Todd Gilland. Uh, some uh, 50 or so points is that gap right now. The problem for him is our Florida boy, the watermelon farmer, Ross Chastain, sits just 10 points out of 20th and has that win after a 7th place finish. So with four races left, I think 10 points is a doable number for Ross Chastain to gain. And once that happens, which more than likely is going to happen when we race, not this weekend, but the following weekend to Kentucky, that's going to bump Harrison Burton out of that position. And now he's going to have to pass Ben Rhodes in points as it stands right now to get back in. And that's going to make it even harder on guys like Todd Gilland and Sheldon Creed if they can't get to victory lane to advance in, because that cut line is going to move up a whole spot 
And as it stands right now, I move up about another 12 points. So Ross Chastain, I would say, is a pretty comfortable position right now to make the playoffs based on what he's got. He only needs to make up 10 points on 20th place. And a reminder that the car he's needing to make those points up on right now, Jennifer Jo Cobb. Nothing against Jennifer Jo Cobb, but we just know the kind of funding that she has, the kind of equipment and the kind of finishes that she's going to be getting. She hasn't made every single start this year, so there's no guarantee that she's actually going to be racing. So for Bre- or for uh, Ross Chastain, rather, he's probably in good shape to make that top 20. So if you're Harrison Burton, yeah, you're in the playoffs, but you're in a really bad spot because in all reality, you're really not in the playoffs right now. I mean, that's the way that they basically have to look at it. They have to keep it in a realistic perspective. You know, when you look at it, getting in the top 20 in the truck series, it, I know it, sound, it like contradicts itself. It's a lot easier than getting in the top 30 in the Cup Series standings because when you look at the Cup Series, more teams are running the full schedule, whereas in the Truck Series, there's a lot of teams that are just limited on their schedule. And to your point right now, checking the standings, there are 16. The top 16 are the full-time drivers in the series, and even in that, Johnny Sauter was suspended for a race and missed a start. But when you look at the difference in numbers, only 16 drivers, and then Ross Chastain making it 17, running for that full season. So when you need to be in the top 20, it's not as hard of a challenge. I mean, realistically, Ross Chastain is not or not realistically, actually, Ross Chastain, as of right now, is not in the playoffs. But realistically, I would be looking at it as, hey, he's in the playoffs. Because barring a huge disaster four consecutive weeks in a row, I think 10 points is pretty easy. I mean, he could pretty much, you know, just make up, if he can just make up three points on Jennifer Joe <laughs> the next four races, he's done it. So. I mean, if you look at the points right now, too, 24th place for Ross Chastain. The car's ahead of him. Jesse Little, who has made 7 of 12 starts. Josh Riom, who's made 9 of 12. Corey Roper, 7 of 12. Jennifer Joe Cobb, 9 of 12. So even if he finishes dead last, there's a good chance that those guys don't even run the race. And you don't you I mean, he's still going to make enough points finishing dead last if they don't start to make it into the top 20. So Harrison Burton... He's just there based on kind of for it's like a mirage, him being in the playoffs right now, because it's about to disappear right out from under him so quickly. So really an uncomfortable spot. And and for Ben Rhodes, not much of a better feeling, because if Harrison Burton, Todd Gilland or Sheldon Creed, who could all realistically win a race, go out there and do that. Well, now he's out, too. That's why we watch. You know, (laughs) that's the reason we watch all the scenarios. It's crazy to think about, Okay, you feel like you have a good points gap. Even even if you really don't, but you kind of mentally talk yourself into thinking that you do, all it takes is one of those guys out back to play like a, what Ross Chastain did at St. Louis as far as you know the pit strategy. Or maybe that team, uh, Todd Gilliland, just has a really, really fast truck where they, they brought it that weekend and nobody can touch him, and then that changes everything. So... There's so many things you have to worry about, man. That, that's just got to be like mentally draining on these guys yeah, nowadays. You know. <laughs> but it, it is certainly fun to watch, and it, it always keeps entertaining. Fun, it's certainly fun to talk about. I mean, that's why that's why I love doing this show. Is to talk about all this stuff. But yeah, and we look at what Ross Chastain. I believe the gap was when he first announced he was going for truck points. He was 64 out of the top 20, and even having a disqualification, look look at how many how many spots and how many points he's made up in just literally three races and looking ahead at what we have just the four races left the playoffs start a little earlier in the truck series because there is less races overall 
We're heading to Kentucky, a very challenging, bumpy, old surface on that mile and a half. Then Pocono, which in itself is one of the trickiest tracks that you'll ever experience. Eldora is the third race in there. And who wins that? That's the wild card. <laughs> I mean, that you know. is the wild card. And then Michigan, before we start the playoffs with Bristol and the Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. So the next few weeks of truck racing are going to be pretty incredible as we head down to the stretch. We'll see what Ross Chastain can do, but I think for all intents and purposes, he's probably in good shape to make it into that playoffs. It's tough with that schedule to think of anyone having an advantage on any of those racetracks. They all sound like wild cards. Absolutely. Well, heading into next weekend, we still have just a few races left for Xfinity and Cup drivers to make their way into the playoffs, and it is the biggest wild card, I guess, of the race to the playoffs that we have in these final 10 weeks, the Daytona International Speedway, Coke Zero 400, 4th of July weekend, and we've got the same exact package announced that we had at Talladega. There's really no difference, I think, when I was reading through the rules, so we saw how wild, crazy, and exciting Talladega was. Now throw them in Daytona with cooler temperature. Well, I guess I don't know if it's cooler, but it's under the oh, lights. I, 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 have you been in Florida the it's last It's humid, but it, it's under the lights at least, so it's nighttime, so the sun won't be beaten down on the track. It might be hot as all hell, but it won't be beaten down on the track the sun. You ask my air conditioner how hot it is down here. <laughs> and then throw into the fact that we got a little bit more narrow of a two-and-a-half-mile super speedway to run with that package on, so it should be a wild night at Daytona International Speedway. Looking forward to some great racing with that package. You guys, what are you looking for at Daytona? Are you expect the kind of craziness that we're accustomed to seeing, especially with this package staying the same as Talladega? I honestly feel as though I wouldn't be surprised if early in the night things would be pretty calm. Like they, the 500, things didn't get too crazy. But, man, when it's time for that money to be paid out, yeah. wild, crazy things happen. And I think if you're Two one hours of those, later for the last three yeah, laps. If you're, <laughs> if you're one of the bubble drivers, you have to kind of go in there with the mindset of, we really need to survive this race. Not like every other week. We're going to go as fast as we can, have the fastest car win the race. This one is kind of like we need to survive. And I'm telling you right now, the guys to watch during this race are those just beyond, just behind the bubble right now, just underneath it. Eric Jones, as we mentioned, who has won this race last year, defending winner. Ryan Newman, who has won Daytona in the Daytona 500 before, obviously restricted plate racing, not exactly his forte. He's been snake bit many a times, but he is somebody who could pull it off. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who has multiple plate wins and definitely knows how to be aggressive when it comes to plate racing. And then behind him, Paul Menard in that 21. We know the 21 can win on these tracks. And Austin Dillon, who won the Daytona 500 just uh, last season. So these are all guys (laughs) that are below the top 16. And if they win... The playoff picture is going to change completely. Name, so it's going to be wild racing at Daytona. A name to look out for, David Reagan. David Reagan, another one. Hey, we, we've seen that before, too, with with the same team, furniture, or furniture, or front, front row, row racing, mm-hmm. finding their way into the playoffs with an upset win. Where you can catch the action, the Xfinity race, the Circle K Firecracker 250 NBCSN, Friday night at 7.30 p.m., and the Coke Zero Sugar 400 is Saturday, 7.30 p.m. on NBC. We're back to recap it all next Monday. Have a happy 4th of July and enjoy the racing at Daytona. Need your NASCAR fix? You're in the right place. It's Flag to Flag on 640 The Hurricane.